0: Welcome to the Family Beacon podcast from Minnesota Family Council with hosts Grace Evans and Moses Bratrude. Stay informed on the top stories on life, family, and religious freedom. Get the facts, stand for truth.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Family Beacon podcast. I'm Moses Bratrude. I'm missing my awesome co host, Grace, this week because she is on vacation in Florida. Boo. (laughs) Hey,
0: I think she picked the right week to go. (laughs) It definitely
1: was the right week to go. It's so cold. Um, And so I'm here, though, with Rebecca Delahunt, who is our acting director of public policy here at Minnesota Family Council. Becca has been working so hard since the beginning of the legislative session, and indeed last year preparing for the legislative session, because we knew it was going to be crazy. However... I'm not sure we even, even we, uh, even you knew how insane it was going to be.
0: I did not know. (laughs) We learn as we go. (laughs) Right.
1: So um, we we just had Renee on last week, and she talked, she gave us some details about specifically the PRO Act. Sure. uh, And we'll talk more about that this week. But there are also other concerning bills that are out there that are making progress through the legislature that could materially affect um, the way Minnesota treats life, family, and religious freedom. The issues that we care about. Remember, we want to give you the facts so that you can stand for truth. That's what Minnesota Family Council on this podcast is all about. Mm -hmm. So Becca is here to help inform us about what's going on, what does it mean, and what can we do about it?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So we talked about the product last week, but this Mm -hmm. week... Uh, governor Walls actually signed the PRO Act. And actually, yeah. with the, by, at the time that we filmed, it hadn't passed the Senate yet. But so it, it passed the Senate on early Saturday sure. morning, 3.15 yeah. a.m., and then uh, Governor Walls signed it, I think, on Tuesday. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So with the passage of the PRO Act and the governor signing it into law, now babies can be aborted up until the moment of birth, which is just really extreme. Um, the way it's being talked about by people who support the bill, you'd think that this is just normal, this is what we should expect, but this is ex- this is very extreme. I mean, we're up there with North Korea, China, Vietnam, just a few countries in the world that I don't think we want to <laughs> have a lot of uh, similarities with, especially on this issue. Exactly. So, yeah. Yep. So abortion now is legal up until the point of birth, but there are a few things that I don't think are getting as much media attention. I think Pro-life legislators did a good job of pushing back on other issues that the bill addresses, Um, but we also should note that minors now have the right to sterilization without parental consent, um, which is also very extreme um, and can be exploited by sex traffickers and abusers. Um, So minors have the right to both sterilization and abortion without parental consent under this bill, and then also the bill states that all individuals in Minnesota have the right to um, uh, family planning and fertility services. And whenever we say that people have the right to something, the government must provide uh, these services, that usually means that the state is going to pay for it. And so I think that there's a lot of questions left on the table, Moses, about what this bill actually means. So Mm -hmm. does that mean that I, as a taxpayer, have to pay for my neighbor's IVF services or their surrogacy expenses, we don't exactly know. And we didn't get super clear answers from the bill um, authors. And so this bill is broader than I think even people are understanding.
1: I think that's, that's really good, I think, to get to the the question of rights. Yeah. Because, you know, America, ha- we, we have these fundamental rights and freedoms. And it's so powerful to talk about that because... Like throughout th- over the years, starting with the Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. you know, like our our court system is based on individual rights and institutional rights, freedom of religion. So like there's yeah. a very you have to there's a very high bar that you have to cross before you can like stop a church from doing something because sure. churches have all these robust legal protections yeah. because of religious freedom. But if we're starting to put abortion slash quote unquote reproductive rights in that same category, yeah. it it just is so. Like, as you say, the things that are going to come out from that, we don't even know. It it is Mm -hmm. such a Pandora's box.
0: Yes, it is such a Pandora's box. And you make a great point. I mean, don't I have the religious freedom to say, hey, I don't I don't want to pay for someone else's abortion. (laughs) Right. I don't want to. I would like to exercise my, you know, freedom of speech and freedom of uh religious practice to not pay for someone else's abortion.
1: And you know, I I don't want to get too into the weeds on legal cases because Renee's not here, but yeah. the Hobby Lobby case of the Supreme Court oh, sure. was all about that. You know, yeah. Hobby Lobby is owned by religious Christians. They were like we don't want to pay for a uh, health insurance plan that um, that includes birth control or abortion sure. services and, yep. and the Supreme Court ruled in their favor. Yep. But I also wanted to talk Becca about the absolute hypocrisy of Governor Walls. Sure. Because yeah. you know, we, we knew you know, we knew. Yeah. That Governor Walls was a pro-abortion radical, but he has this thing where he seems like everybody's uncle or everybody's track coach, <laughs> and that's so it's effective. Very true. It's so effective. <laughs> it, it it makes you. It's he's like a he's like a he's like a snapping turtle. You know, it's, it doesn't look like much, but he's uh, but he packs a punch. And and I, I I do mean that as a compliment. He's a good po- he, he's a good politician, but in the and. By good politician, I don't mean good person, as I'm about to show you. So um, in in June of last year, um, uh, Governor Walls uh, rejected his opponent, Scott Jensen's, assertion that he supported abortion up until birth. He called that, quote, a lie. And I have to give credit to the progressive outlet, the Minnesota Reformer, because they are pointing this out this week that okay. – um, uh, it's. Sh- I'll. I'll just quote. I'll just read what they say. It sure seems like Walls, who signed the pro act Tuesday, has changed his position, assuming the new language means that there can be no, now be no restrictions on gestational age. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very. It's it's just very clear, either that there's no that there's just no restrictions on just gestational age. So abortion up until the moment of yeah. birth, as you said. So um, the, it, it's just it's just absurd that. Uh, Governor Walz is able to cravenly um, mm-hmm. now do a little bit of a it, it, nobody. It's not even a flip flop. It's just a ripple in the sense of he, nobody will hold him to account on this sure. issue. Nobody will yeah. tell him, Governor Walz. You know, sixty percent of Minnesotans, maybe seventy percent of Minnesotans, depending on the poll, oppose abortion up until the moment of birth. Mm-hmm. And yet, and you said you opposed that last year, but now you're saying that's something that you mm-hmm. are really excited about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like uh, the the article went on to say that uh, third-term abortion are actually quite rare, and that's true. Mm -hmm. But that's not a good argument because isn't one third-term abortion bad enough? Mm -hmm. Like, don't we want to, like... If we're talking about making something legal, mm-hmm. it's not about whether that thing is necessarily going to happen every day. Mm-hmm. It's whether that thing is a horrifying human rights violation mm-hmm. that's murderous mm-hmm. and which a third trimester abortion and sure. any abortion actually is. So I just I had yeah. to get on my soapbox for a minute to talk yeah. about the hypocrisy and the inconsistency. Yeah.
0: And what, one thing I will note about late term abortions, I think one of the senators got up during the debate and talked about how she needed to have a late term abortion because um, she there was something medically wrong with her baby and it was gonna I, I take it that the baby and the senator were going to die. And that's a different case, Moses. I think that's kind of an argument that pro-life legislators would not try to make of course we want to save any life that's the point we want to save any life and so um yeah that's what we stand for and we're not only pro baby we're not pro mother we want to save life we want to support mothers and babies we don't want abortion to be the only choice that pregnant mothers feel like they have absolutely Um,
1: so yeah so we've talked about this bill as a pandora's box but this bill is We're just getting started with the abortion (laughs) insanity this session. We've talked a little bit about HF91, SF70, which uh, we've talked about as the how to bill because it really accompanies the PRO Act. Mm -hmm. Um, That bill is continuing to make progress. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so our colleague Renee Carlson is calling this bill the how to of the PRO Act. So the PRO Act kind of serves as almost a command to the courts to recognize abortion as a fundamental right for all individuals in Minnesota, but HF91 and SF70 actually makes the changes to the current Minnesota statute, Um, and it basically repeals all the health and safety regulations on abortion in Minnesota, and so it strikes down the law that we have right now around parental notification. So if a minor girl wants to get an abortion, she needs... um, she needs consent from her parents. Or there is judicial bypass as well. She can go seek consent from a judge. Um, but that really stands in the way of providing that last stop if the girl is being abused by sex traffickers and no one knows. Um, that is kind of the, the only safety that she might have, um, where her parents find out that she is going um, through a difficult time and she needs she's being coerced into getting an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, it also repeals the Born Alive Infants Act, um, which states that if a baby is born alive during an abortion surgery, the baby must be given the protections afforded any any person. Um, and I heard repeatedly, Moses, that this doesn't happen. This is just not the way abortion is in Minnesota. But Minnesota Department of Health has reported that there were five babies born in these conditions in 2021. and so. Um, so
1: five, uh, I'm really bad at math as a liberal arts major, but five is more than zero, right?
0: <laughs> five is more than zero. Thank yes, you. my Thank previous you. work was in statistics and I can concur. Uh, you I, can yeah. confirm that. Yes, okay. I can well, confirm let's that. make sure
1: that our our, our Democratic <laughs> opponents on this issue uh, understand that. Yeah,
0: yeah. five, five babies um, and you can go look up that information online. Um, I talked about it in our testimony. It's available on Minnesota Department of Health's website, and I'm sure that there would be more in previous years as well. Um, So we just need to keep in mind what this means for humanity in Minnesota. So our colleague Renee testified on the fact that animals in Minnesota have more rights than babies born, babies born even, during an abortion procedure. Um, I think legal penalties for animal cruelty range from a misdemeanor to a felony, and under the passage of this law, abortionists will face no legal uh, pushback for letting a child die on the table during a botched abortion surgery. So
1: Absolutely it's just, just pretty horrifying. unconscionable. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to, um, we had an email uh, that we sent out this this past week um, about uh, when, when, yeah. when Governor Wells was about to sign this bill. And I think I think it was really helpful. In fact, we got a lot of messages back saying that it was helpful because it just seems so insane that our state is moving in this direction. Yeah, that that we're, you know, uh, I think one of only two states to uh, codify so-called abortion rights uh, since the Dobbs v. Jackson decision. Mm. Although that I uh, wouldn't include the states that um, rejected pro-life constitutional amendments last fall or sure. that passed pro-abortion constitutional okay. amendments. Um, such as Kansas last year, or that was a pro-life one that failed, right? Yep, yep. Um, mm. So, so like, we do – I really think that, like, we, what we said in this email is what goes around comes around. Mm. This type of insanity has consequences, and I, I'm being totally serious right now. Minnesotans don't want this. Minnesotans did not ask for yeah. and do not want taxpayer-funded abortion up until the moment of birth. Yep. They did not ask for and they do not want troubled kids to be taken away from their parents. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Sure. And um, and they did not ask for and do not want minors to be able to seek an abortion um, completely on their own with no guidance from a responsible parent or guardian, mm-hmm. but possibly even an abuser or a school yeah. counselor or anybody who doesn't have any type of um, actual relationship to that child transporting the, the minor to the clinic, et cetera, et cetera. So... Basically, my thing is like this is really bad, guys. But mm-hmm. because Minnesotans don't want that, because this is so extreme, so extreme, I think we can be confident that the Rubicon has been crossed. Mm-hmm. You know, like that 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 mo. I really think that pro life Minnesotans are going to wake up. Mm-hmm. There's there's pro life Minnesotans who decided that they were going to vote for Tim Walz this last year. Sure. I mean, the, the data is very clear on that. There's, mm-hmm. um, the the turnout for. Uh, conservatives uh, for those candidates was unfortunately very low, or lower than, lower than it needed to be. Mm. So, I'll, you know, there's there's, there's that movable middle that we talk about in politics, people who can be convinced on one way or the other. They do not want this. They don't want abortion yeah. up until the moment of birth. Yeah. Minnesota is not New York or California. You know, you can't just... Okay, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm just I'm no, no, going no. crazy today because well, I just
0: you're right. And even anecdotally, I heard from pro-life senators that they're hearing talk throughout, you know, their colleagues, even their Democratic colleagues, that they would get emails from women like, "Hey, I am pro-abortion. I don't want this. I right. I am, you know, pro-choice. I don't want this kind of access to abortion. I think that that is wrong." Right. Um, and so I guess my question for our listeners is, you know, we we asked. Um, pro-life legislators asked these bill proponents when does life begin and they said um, that it's basically everybody has their own views on this we don't want to speak into that that doesn't seem relevant to this bill uh, I heard that on SF1 on the floor on Friday Unbelievable. Um, and I think you know if we're going to talk about ending life we have to know when it begins, otherwise yes. it's a serious human Thank you. human rights violation.
1: And I think you, you you put that on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and we retweeted that, and, and people yeah. were people were very much agreeing with you. Thank you. Um, yeah. That was that was I think an excellent way of of summarizing it. Why are yeah. we letting people who don't think the beginning of life matters or yeah, who don't? It's not
0: relevant can, to the bill. They don't
1: think it's relevant. Why are we letting them make our laws about? these these things that affect the beginning yeah, of life that exactly. affect these very young humans yep okay Becca, i want to uh, i want to pivot a little bit because yeah. in addition to abortion just this week there was a bill uh, hf 146 mm-hmm. that um that yeah. really would is trying to move the needle on uh, uh the transgender issue specifically sure. When you have minor children, my understanding, minor children who who start identifying as transgender. Sure. Tell us more about that, Bill.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So it's really interesting how this conversation about kids who identify as transgender has really overtaken the country. So you have some states who have banned, um, you know, children from taking puberty blockers, cross sex hormones, or having any sex change surgery in their states. Amen. Yeah. And, um, other states are trying to make their state a haven or a welcoming place for children who have been, ni- been denied access to this kind of drugs or surgery in their home state. And so we saw this bill be introduced um, pretty much toward the beginning of session and it kind of flew under the radar a little bit. And then it had its first hearing this past week um, in a Judiciary Committee in the House. and so. Under this bill, children would have access to puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones. So under HF 146, um, the key thing that we focused on in our testimony is the fact that the state will have, a court of the state will have temporary emergency custody of children who have been denied access to puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. So if a parent or a guardian is concerned about their child taking these drugs, the state considers it so much of a concern, so much of a violation of the child's rights that the court, a court, will have custody of a child um, and take them away from their parents. Well, so me, that's kind of the <laughs> basics. L-
1: let me let me stop yeah. for a second because I it's not the first time I'm hearing that, but it is absolutely <laughs> insane to think about. Yeah. Because we're talking about, uh, we're talking about, You know, it seems like, you know, we've both read Abigail Schreier's book, Irreversible Damage. Yes, please read that book. you know, that book makes it clear that at least for a large subset of... Um, youth who identify as transgender. Mm-hmm. This is something that happens with the onset of puberty or slightly before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more common for girls. And it has many elements of a social contagion. Exactly. So where, you know, gender dysphoria, just the sense that you're really uncomfortable in your own, own body is certainly a real thing. So the question mm-hmm. is what do we do with that? Yeah. And then you know, if we even get beyond this, which this bill does, if you disagree with the uh, the medical establishment about how to deal with this, and the medical yeah. establishment right now is saying, if you do not, do not provide so-called gender-affirming care, mm-hmm. you are an abuser. You are you are absolutely abusing your minor child, and they need to be taken away and become a ward of the state temporarily, mm-hmm. uh, so that they can get their um, they can get their their uh, their um, their cross-sex hormones and their puberty mm-hmm. blockers. I guess it's the other way around. And I will say, and I want to insert this here before I forget. Let's just take a moment to watch Becca's testimony at the hearing. So we'll, we're going to insert that now.
0: Next, I have Rebecca Della Hunt and then Cass Casares on deck. Welcome to the committee. Please introduce yourself and proceed with your testimony. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair and members. My name is Rebecca Delahunt, and I work as the Acting Director of Public Policy with Minnesota Family Council. HF 146 takes away custody from parents or guardians who deny their children access to gender-affirming healthcare, puberty blockers, and cross-sex hormones. Let's take a brief look into these drugs. The Office of the U.S. Surgeon General reports, sex sex hormones are extremely important in regulating the the growth of the skeleton and maintaining the mass and strength of bone. A longitudinal study of a pubertal person undergoing hormonal treatment found that after 28 months of treatment, speed processing and memory of the patient were lower than before hormonal treatment. Loss of sexual function, bone density, and interference with brain development are just a few of the risks that puberty blockers pose for children who are told that this is a simple pause on puberty. Not only that, but in a clinical study of 70 children who were taking puberty Blockers, all 70 of them later took cross-sex hormones. NHS of the UK claims cross-sex hormones cause some irreversible changes, and long-term cross-sex hormone treatment may cause temporary or even permanent infertility. Knowing that puberty blockers can lead to these side effects, let's look again at HF146 at line 2.28. A court of the state has temporary emergency jurisdiction if the child is present in the state and the child has been unable to obtain gender-affirming health care. Under HF146, parents lose custody rights if they make decisions based off concern for bone density and sexual function of their daughter. Members, based on today's short analysis of scientific research, I'm asking you to vote no on HF146.
1: So, so Becca, I watched that. I thought it was incredible and I, I and Renee testified as well. And I think it's I'm just so I'm just so grateful for you and for Renee because I understand that you guys were the only people who testified against the bill.
0: That's true. Yep. We were the only people who testified against the bill and you know, part of that, Moses, is we find out about these hearings so last minute, and I think Democrats are in power, and they try to keep things a secret until right before, and then we have just a couple of days to find testimony, and so, you know, we're hoping, we're praying, we're looking for more uh, testifiers in the future, and God willing, we will have more, but yeah, we were the only people there, and I, it's hard to get up and talk about the harms that this causes, you know, there are concerns about osteoporosis for kids there are concerns that this has links to neurological damage this there are certainly concerns about sterilization temporary or permanent sterilization of children with these kinds of drugs and you know there are other there was a, a doctor from children's who got up and talked about how this is fine and um, I think just reading back scientific studies shows that there isn't complete alignment in the scientific literature on this. And it's enough to cause concern and say, hey, if parents are concerned about these other health outcomes by taking these drugs, I mean, taking that much testosterone for reading some personal accounts of girls, like, we don't know what kind of impact that's going to have. Nobody's ever really done that before Mm -hmm. with a 13-, 14-year-old girl. Um, And so...
1: Except for maybe the East German Olympic team.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know about that, but I will say... um, we don't know what these outcomes are. And so I think for the state to say that parents are so extreme that we have to take custody of the children is just completely illogical. And we all know that. We all know that. And so Everyone we just no a voice that. to it's share th- that. that.
1: And that's just one, of, just one of many things about this issue that is one of those emperor has no clothes situations. Yeah. Like I watched some of the other testifiers at this hearing. And mm-hmm. there were at least th- two or three, I think at least three that I saw who were adult men who were identifying as women Mm -hmm. and I find that to be so tragic because like and I'm coming from a place of compassion here okay I'm not saying that these people are crazy or anything like that Mm -hmm. obviously one of them one of them said that going through male puberty was deeply traumatic for him granted I mean I'm sorry yeah. that, that I'm I, I, I was there we've yeah. all been through that I understand that that's a hard thing for for boys and for girls mm-hmm. so what is the solution is the solution that you're to to, to to just be in a place where you try to identify as something that you could never really be mm-hmm. not only can you not be a woman you cannot be a woman if you were born a man or vice versa but also like, It's really hard, and and it it becomes—I hate to see people become an object of ridicule because they attempt to um, put on an act, and it's just not very convincing. Mm. And I I really—I'm not wanting to be part of that. I don't want to be part of that in terms of the ridiculing, but I hate seeing that, and it's real. It's Mm -hmm. happening.
0: And I I, do—I think it preys preys on children because, I mean, how many people don't have struggles as they go through puberty? And to tell a girl— if you don't look like that person on Instagram, well, maybe you're a boy, maybe you've been a boy this whole time is I think really abusive because we're all kind of figuring out who we are in puberty and as we go into adulthood. And so we need time to understand, you know, our bodies as we grow up. And so it just takes a while to get accustomed to that. So if there are any kids watching this, um, just take your time, (laughs) your body's growing through changes. You'll come through. Don't worry. Absolutely. Yep.
1: So, this bill, it's definitely flying under the radar in the sense that there's been this hearing. Yeah. Our organization was the only one that opposing no. it, at, at, just at that hearing. Yeah. And and I'm so glad that you and Renee got wind of this hearing, that you were able to put that together at short notice. Do we know of any further committee actions at this mm-hmm. point for that bill?
0: No. So they laid the bill over, which could mean a variety of things. So one thing that I we do know is that as far as I can see from the committee scheduling, um, that bill has not been set for another hearing. So that's good news. Um, We're excited about protecting children. So we'll see what happens. We'll be watching and we are doing our work behind the scenes. So just know that we haven't forgotten it.
1: (laughs) So let's let's talk maybe about just two final bills because Um, a a while ago, you put together a a letter, which we sent out to pastors. I'm not sure that everyone in our audience will have seen this this letter that you created, but the other bills that we haven't talked about that were in that letter, uh, and this was a couple weeks ago, so it's worth talking about, were the conversion therapy ban and comprehensive sex ed. So I know there's been Mm -hmm. action on at least one of those bills. Yeah,
0: yep, yep. No hearings yet on comprehensive sex education, but lots of hearings in the House on conversion therapy ban. So I think this bill has been around in different states and it's been coming up in conversation regularly in the state of Minnesota legislature for a while. Um, But this ban or this bill bans counseling for uh, minors struggling with gender identity or sexual orientation who want to live in alignment with their created sex body. So um, it's, it's kind of an elusive term. Even the description in the bill is a little bit um, confusing. So, The way they describe it, I just wanted to read a little bit, Moses, it means any practice by a mental health practitioner that seeks to change an individual's sexual orientation or gender identity, including efforts to change behaviors or gender expressions, um, or to eliminate feelings of attraction toward the same gender. So, I think the question that people um, on our side of the, the issue are asking is, isn't this discriminatory? What if I'm a young person who's struggling with gender identity, which we know a ton of young people are, mm-hmm. and I want access to counseling that helps me feel more comfortable with who I am created to be. Um, am I not allowed to get counseling? And how much crueler that this only outlaws it for minors? You know, mm-hmm. um, Minors should have access to any kind of conversation with a counselor that they want to have. So. Um, that's been our question. The other thing that's important to note and related to HF146 is the bill explicitly says conversion therapy does not include any counseling practice or treatment that provides assistance to an individual undergoing gender transition. So you can, if I'm a child and I want to go see a counselor to talk about my identity, they can talk to me about going under transition. So taking drugs, um, but they cannot talk to me about this watchful waiting method. And let's just Develop some uh, comfortability with my body and the fact that it's changing and all that, so. That's. It's insanity. (laughs)
1: I'm not gonna even start talking about it because I'll just go on a rant that 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 won't be helpful. (laughs) So it sounds like that's going towards um, passage in the House or a floor vote So the the,
0: It's public information that that is going to the House's Ways and Means Committee, which means that that's the last stop before the floor. It has not had a hearing in the Senate, and I, I think it will, but We'll be watching for that as well. Something for something for the listeners to know is that this is clearly a free speech violation. So yesterday in committee, the bill author in the House um, said that this bill would ban talk therapy, and you can't you can't ban conversations between a counselor and a client. Um, there have been several court rulings on this. There's been an Eleventh Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, strike down of a bill like this in Florida that was even narrower, apparently, in scope than this one. Um, and then also the Supreme Court has said professional speech isn't a certain type of speech that can be regulated separate from the speech that we're having right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's this bill is illegal, and we we know that. <laughs> it's well documented.
1: Uh, and so, like, the state of Minnesota, in addition to hurting kids who are... Uh, who are already hurting and who yeah. really need people in their lives uh, who they trust to to provide them with counselors who will uh, be trustworthy and who will help them live in accordance with uh, with with their desires yeah. uh, to that their desires would conform with their biological sex or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, They're all, we're also hurting the state because we're setting up the state for lawsuits. Yeah. and sure. and huge court settlements. And that's the problem. When you pass a bill, that's going to be ruled unconstitutional. Yeah, tax
0: <laughs> taxpayers get to help pay yeah, for that. Yeah, exactly. To overturn that wonderful that law.
1: <laughs> so I think that um, I think that we've talked about. It sounds like a lot of these bills. The product has been signed. Um, HF ninety one SF seventy is probably headed to the floor mm-hmm. very soon, at least in the House. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there probably will be more Senate hearings?
0: Yeah, I would anticipate that. Tomorrow is the next uh, hearing in the Senate's Judiciary Committee for SF70.
1: Um, HF146, which we call the kidnapping bill because of how it could take uh, kids away from their parents, um, that has had one committee action, but we don't know of any others at this point. Uh, Conversion therapy, we're thinking, is heading toward the House floor. and, and we'll, we'll keep you guys posted on any actions that the Senate takes on that as well. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to focus on those uh, major bills and yeah. because I don't want this to get too long. Mm-hmm. There's so many other crazy bills we could talk about. Yeah. But I, I want to um, I want to give a li- us a little time. Becca, is there, any, is there anything that you want to flag for our listeners and other than what we've talked about already?
0: Yeah, I think that that's... I think that's the gist of it. I just would ask that you all would pray. Um, there's a lot going on at the legislature, and pray for your pray for your legislators. I think for people like us, it's easy to react in fear and frustration, but just know that people on both sides of the political aisle are under extreme pressure, um, and they're feeling weighed down. And so pray for them, pray for staff, um, and just pray that um, God will change hearts and minds about these bills that are moving through. So your prayers are really appreciated, and that's what I would mostly ask for right now. So Absolutely. thank you for praying.
1: I, I think prayer is the most important thing we can do. Talking to your pastor and fellow church yeah. members about these yeah. issues, I think um, I've heard from several people who have said, you know, I went to Bible study and I told people that this bill was happening and they had no idea. People, yeah. people just don't pay attention to the state legislature as much as they should. Yeah. The state Not legislature, especially. Really has a lot of control over just the way our our everyday lives are lived. Absolutely. Um, I also yeah. want to say that you know Minnesota Family Council and Institute, we're doing this work. We're representing the values of pro-life, pro-family Minnesotans. Um, we're doing it at the legislature. We're doing it in the court system. We're doing it through education work, work with churches. Uh, and we're doing that all year round, and we would really appreciate if you considered uh, becoming a donor, perhaps even a a sustaining supporter giving to us monthly. If you want to do that, you can go to MFC.org, mfc.org forward slash donate um, and you know any amount especially a, a monthly amount whatever you can contribute to the cause of life family, and religious freedom however small that is that is valuable to us and it, it helps us bring becca to these hearings to make sure that that someone is standing up if if she literally if you and renee weren't there no one would have stood up mm-hmm. for these for these kids at that hearing. And I, I just, I'm, and I'm, I'm these parents for parental rights at that hearing. Mm-hmm. I'm horrified by that, by that prospect. So please, uh, please consider becoming a supporter. Finally, I wanted to talk about our February 28th event, yeah. uh, United for Life. So this is a unprecedented gathering of pro life people, pro life organizations from around the state. We're coming together at the Capitol. Go to unitedforlifemn.org, Life Let me confirm that URL. Yes, United for Life MN.org. Uh, sign up now. It's free. If you and you need to sign up because uh, once we once we have you signed up, we'll start scheduling you to meet with your legislature mm-hmm. legislator. So if you're coming in from Anoka County or from uh, flipping Lake of the Woods County, <laughs> you want to meet with your legislator while you're down here, and we would love to set that up for you. We're working with. Um, the Pretty much all of the pro-life groups in the entire state to make this happen. So we're we're so excited for February 28th. That's going to be a great day. Our lobbying advocacy day at the mm-hmm. Capitol. We need to show Minnesotans that the pro-life movement doesn't just come downtown for the March for Life, mm-hmm. and that the pro-life movement is not silent about this unprecedented, yeah. you know, insane movement of bills through uh, through the legislature. So yeah. United for Life, sign up we now.
0: Exist.
1: Now, Becca. Last question of the podcast, Yes. what are you reading right now?
0: What am I reading right now? Well, unfortunately, with all of this work, I haven't had as much time for reading, but I have been reading, um, I just started St. Augustine's Confessions. Oh. So, yeah, I just started, <laughs> but I have a lot more farther to go on it. I feel like, I was talking to Moses before the podcast, I'm just trying to get my Bible reading in before I rush off to work, and then um, I'm working late to the night, too. So, yeah. Yeah been reading the Gospel of John quite a bit (laughs) and um, the confession, so... Hoping to have more reading time That's in the awesome.
1: I'm going to have to check in with you. Have you gotten to the part with the pears yet? No, I
0: like just started. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I know, I can't. Uh, I got a little bit sidetracked. I had to look up like Manichaeism. and no, oh, did, yeah. did I pronounce that right? Uh,
1: I really don't know. <laughs> okay. okay. I, oh, my God, that Manichaeism right. Manichaeism or Manichaeanism. It's something, something like, I've had yeah. it explained to me like, several times. Kind of times. Gnosticism? I still ha- I, gnosticism, yeah. Looking it's like up that. Looking
0: those kinds of things. So.
1: It's like these these things that are like, literally 1800 years old at this point and people are like oh no this still matters we're seeing this around us every day and I'm yeah. like I don't know man it is a better word yeah can we give can anyway. a different word yeah
0: yeah what are you what are you reading Moses
1: well I just finished a book and if you haven't read it yeah. I bet you would like it it's called well I didn't finish it actually It's it was published in three parts but it's kind of one book it's oh. called Kristen Lavren's Daughter
0: okay and
1: yeah. it's um, it's by a Norwegian author Sigrid Unset, and it won the Nobel Prize for literature
0: I feel like I've seen that. I feel like I've seen ads for that or something. Okay, yeah. I mean,
1: maybe you have. It's it's about oh, it's coming up on hundred years old, I think now. Okay. And uh, it's oh, pff, absolutely. maybe I haven't. Then. W- well, <laughs> well, they they have <laughs> been republishing it. Okay, um, I feel
0: like I recognize the author's name. I don't know.
1: <laughs> like my my wife uh, has been into this for years, and she's been bugging me. And yeah. so shout out to my wife Brianna, who is amazing, and yeah. she finally convinced me to read. Uh, um, Kristen Loveren's daughter and it is incredible. Oh Uh, my goodness. Really?
0: Okay. So it's
1: kind of like Anna Karenina which I won't bother people because on the podcast I've talked so much about um, how much I love Anna Karenina. And... um, but Sigrid Unset, she writes this incredible story. And it's kind of like Anna Karenina, but mixed with the medieval Norse sagas. Because it's set Ooh. in a medieval Norway. So it's beautiful. I'm
0: Norwegian. I need to read this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, really? I am Norwegian, oh, yes. Oh,
1: me too. Norwegian power. <laughs> um, Norwegian pride? I don't know. Maybe that's a better way of saying it.
0: Norwegian I like that. Yeah. Uh, here's
1: a Minnesota moment. I, ra- I ran into the guy at Costco a couple months ago organized the Queen of Norway's visit to Minneapolis. What? She was here this fall. What? And, and he was like wearing a Norway thing. I'm like, oh, yeah. I like Ah that's like yeah I actually organized that. That's she was so very cool. nice apparently. Okay. Wow. So that's Should a have little, known Yeah. So that's a fun note to end on. Uh Oh, I'm, and then I am just started that Hemingway book about the Spanish Civil War. But more about that next time. We <laughs> have gone over time. Thank you so much for watching. Remember, the Family Beacon is where you can get the facts so that you can stand for truth. Next week, Grace and I will be back with more information so that you can uh, stay informed and stay prayerful, guys, because mm-hmm. there's a lot going on right now. Thank you so much for watching. Peace out.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to or watching this episode of the Family Beacon podcast from Minnesota Family Council. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you're up to date on life, family, and religious freedom. You can follow us on Instagram at mnfamilycouncil and subscribe to us on YouTube to watch our content. Get the facts. Stand for truth.